You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, starry starlets starving for startling facts about starfruit starlings and starfish. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 82. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your kitschy kittens kiting for kitlings. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. Uh, and no Chris today. He is in Portland at a retro gaming show again, another retro gaming show. Hopefully he'll sell a lot of or buy a lot of uh, old video games and have some interesting tidbits and trivia. He's a wheeler and dealer. <laughs> yeah. Wheeling and dealing. Well, I'd like to start with a uh, headline to share with you guys. Oh. Are you guys familiar with the uh, biohacking movement? Uh, Bio. Oh, is it where you plant random things like greenery? Oh, interesting. No, I think that's more like the gorilla gardening. Yeah, right? yeah, that's or, what I'm thinking. Oh, oh. Is it the like RFID chips that people? Yeah, yeah, in? yeah. Whoa. It's like like people. There's a, a whole subculture or culture of people, you know, hacking your own body, I- extending human abilities through technology. Basically, there are this there are scary. It does sound a little scary, and yet you know, it's this great intersection <laughs> of kind of DIY with uh, home electronics and you know, bordering yeah. on home surgery almost. But there was a story, a uh, story about a guy named Rich Lee, and the story that made the news is a particular project that he had performed on himself so what what he did is he had magnets uh implanted in his ears okay so you know the little flap of skin outside your ear the tragus you know the part that a lot of people get piercings in he had magnets inserted one really small powerful responsive magnet in each tragus he wears a wire coil around his neck that he can plug into his music player So his MP3 player uh, sends the signal to the wire coil that generates a magnetic field that drives the magnets in his ears. It's fundamentally the same technology from headphones that you would wear, but they are built into his body. So because the the magnets in his ears just respond to a magnetic field stimulation, he can connect all kinds of things to this headphone jack that he wants. Like he uses it for music, but he's talked about some of the other projects he's considered maybe in the future, like adding a proximity detector that feeds signals in. And he could be like Daredevil or a bat where he can, they'll vibrate based on his proximity to things. Oh, that's like those things built into cars when you back up in reverse. Yeah. 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 So he could theoretically navigate in the dark. Are there other... Other examples of, of other projects that people have- more than one person who have implanted RFID chips in their hands. For you know? what? So, for example, the most common use is you, you might be a, a researcher at a lab where you have an RFID to control the door, and so instead of taking out your card key out of your wallet, you just put your hand up against the sensor, and it triggers. You know, there are some people who have experimented with just putting small magnets in their hands or their fingers as a way of controlling magnetic devices, or also just as a way of adding a new sense. Part of part of the the biohacking movement. From your monitor because really... you might screw it up. <laughs> yeah, or handling your credit cards. <laughs> You're like, <Yeah>. what happened? <laughs> Serious solutions well, for it's, very simple activities. It's part of a larger philosophy, though. I mean, it really is a movement of trying to redefine what it means to be human and kind of extending, you know, it's, you know, some people mm-hmm. believe it. anything that we can do to it to enhance our abilities, why not? Before we start our quizzing, uh, I want to share some cool community achievements, I would say. Special shout out to two people. Jessie uh, wrote us on Facebook and she said this. 
I am on the University of Michigan solar car team. I am currently in Darwin, Australia, awaiting 8 a.m. tomorrow for the beginning of the World Solar Challenge race awesome. from here, Darwin, to Adelaide across the outback. Oh, I think wow. I read about that. She said, just want to let you guys know that sometimes the desert gets boring, even with a solar car. And I've gotten a few teammates hooked on Good Job, Ray. Love the podcast. Aww. What a cool that thing. That is really cool. That is awesome. Well, good luck. What, it already happened. happened. Oh, <laughs> hope it went well. <laughs> <laughs> And I have another one, and this is um, from a couple weeks ago. Scott emailed us, and he said, I was listening to your podcast while on my climb of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. The highest, I think it's the highest mountain in Africa and the highest freestanding mountain in the world. Ah, you mean, oh. meaning not part of a range. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so Everest, Everest is yeah, part of Yeah, because Everest is part of a range. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a good trivia stat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> super, super awesome, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Colin versus Dana. So I have a, a random Trivial Pursuit card here from the box. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What South American country boasts a huge underground cathedral carved entirely from salt? Oh, oh Colin. Uh, country? Yeah. Country. Uh, I'll guess Brazil. Incorrect. Hmm. South that is a big country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Venezuela. Incorrect. It is Colombia. Huh. It's called the Salt Cathedral of Zipaquira. Huh. That sounds so cool. I'm going to go look at pictures of it. In a former salt mine. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to go visit it and, and, lick, lick, it. and lick it. Lick it. <laughs> Pink Wedge for pop culture. Name the five official film ratings of the Motion Picture Association of America. Oh. You can work together okay. if you want to. Okay. G. G. PG. PG-13. Right. R. R. NC-17? NC yes! Yeah. Good I was like, job. I was like, are there going to be any trick ones? No, no trick ones. All right. Yellow Wedge. What Japanese city is synonymous with efforts to stem global warming? It's, uh, it was the, where they signed the... Uh, uh, Kyoto. Correct. Yeah, Kyoto the Kyoto Accord. Accord. Yes. Right, right, right. Very good. Purple Wedge. What company known for speed has an arrow hidden in its logo? Uh, Everybody. Federal Express. FedEx. FedEx. It is FedEx. If you look closely, you can see uh, the arrow. I believe it's between the big E and the small X. And it's one of those things where once you have it pointed out to you, you you're can, like, how did I never see that? Yeah. It can never be unseen. I don't know if it's a happy accident or maybe it was designed that way. No, I think it was on purpose. It was on purpose? Mm -hmm. All right. Green Wedge for science. What does a basilisk do to earn its nickname... Jesus Christ lizard. Uh, are these are the lizards that can walk on water? Is yes. That right? Yeah. So how it works is they have uh, pockets of air under its fast-moving feet. So basilisk and D&D, &D, like, they turn you to stone. They don't talk about them running on water. Wow. And I didn't think they were real. So it's like, I don't know why it's the Jesus Christ. <laughs> it seems very controversial. Because <laughs> it's not real. What? <laughs> Actually, before this yeah. question, I didn't know it was a real thing, too. I was like, oh, it's in Harry Potter. Yeah. It's D&D &D, and it's in World of Warcraft. <laughs> All right. Last question. Orange Wedge. What women's sport has five players on a side? Divided into blockers, jammers, and pivots. 
Oh, Quidditch. (laughs) (laughs) Women's sports and blockers, jammers, and pivots. Uh, Is it uh, uh, roller derby? Yes, roller derby. Good job, brains. So this week, I mean, I guess it's kind of a coincidence that you shared that headline. So this week we decided to talk about weird ways or maybe common ways that people change uh, their bodies. So this week we're talking about body modifications. So I want to ask you guys, what body modifications do you guys have? Dana? Um, I have pierced ears. Okay. I have caps on my teeth. Oh, that them. counts. Yeah. Oh, I guess that does count. Yeah. Got ear piercing as well. I, yeah, I mean, I wore braces, so I guess orthodontics counts, right? Yeah. As, as, oh, same. Uh, that's I got that yeah, one. Yeah. That's kind of a, that's a body modification. <laughs> that's, uh, that sounds so much cooler when you call it a body modification. Oh, you mean braces? <laughs> 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 no, I was biohacking, guys. Yeah, I biohacked my teeth. <laughs> I myself have a couple of tattoos. I have four tattoos. Uh, used to dye my hair blue, okay. body mod. Yeah, I used to dye my hair. Mm-hmm. I guess that counts. I don't yeah. anymore. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to dye my hair. Oh. <laughs> Say it like that. <laughs> In line with the theme of body modification and change and transformation, I have put together a quiz for you guys about body modification in fictional characters. Oh. Okay. So it could be from a variety of uh, media. And I will tell you uh, a little bit about the character, a little bit of a hint, and you tell me what character I'm talking about. Huh. So here we go. I'm glad. I'm glad I have that reaction from you, Karen. Yeah, you haven't been thinking about it leading up till well, now. Well, no. Like even if you just can you think of a famous character that you know has. I was like, I can't. Uh, maybe well, let's, like some tattoos. Let's get started. Let's get started. Ear implants. Yeah. So each of you guys will be writing down your answer, and we will Whoa. be reading them both out and see who. Uh, maybe both of you are correct. This comic book superhero has had extensive body modifications, with the most prominent laying alongside his radius and ulna. Alongside. Don't overthink it. Okay. All right. And answers up. Dana says Wolverine. Yes, indeed. His- oh. Karen says Iron Man. Tony Stark. No, Wolverine. The claws, of course, laying alongside the two bones of your forearm. Uh, yeah. The radius and the ulna. Oh, in. Yeah. I was like, what covers? What character has, like, arms? <laughs> Darn. Yes. Right. And his body modification, in case you have never read Wolverine or seen the movies, he has a skeleton laced with metal and metal claws. What's the name of the metal? Adamantium. Adamantium. <laughs> 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 I'm so glad you asked. Like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you can't spell adamantium without um. Yeah. <laughs> this popular character from TV and movies made daily use of a device known as the visual instrument and sensory organ replacement. Wait, say it again. Visual. Visual instrument and sensory organ replacement. What character am I looking for here? Popular character, TV and movies. All right, answers up. Karen says Batman. Dana says yes, Jordy LaForge. Oh, from 
Star uh, Trek. Yes, oh. from Star Trek Next Generation. Yes, Jordy yeah. Forge, blind from birth, but had his cool electronic device uh, that yeah. spoke directly to his movie? brain. Yeah, yeah, he was in the movies. They did actually the, did that acronym spell out Visor. Uh, it does spell out Visor. Yeah, yeah. The A though. Uh, Viazer. Oh, oh with the yeah, and. you have to leave out the A. Yeah, visual instrument, sensory organ replacement. Although I have read that uh, th- this was only mentioned in some of the uh, novelizations that they never actually said this acronym on the show. Okay. It does spell <laughs> Viazer. Yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> I was like, who would do that? Oh, I think it's probably Star Trek. Yeah. 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 Yep. This South African-born filmmaker has directed two feature films, both of which rely heavily on themes of body modification. Oh, oh man. what's How his do I name? Spell uh, his... <laughs> I'll take could, close could enough answers. Can I say answers. what the name of his movie? Of course, is? sure. For bonus points, absolutely. Oh, I absolutely. wanted I wanted the original point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where are we right now? Movies too? Sure. There's three possible points here. We're looking for the filmmaker and both of the movies he's directed. Okay. Well. <laughs> Feature films. <laughs> All right. Answers up. Uh, that's his name. Yes. Neil Blomkoffels. Oh, very, very close. Very close. And Dana? District 9 guy. District 9 guy. All right. <laughs> together, like... together, you guys are like 70% of the way there. <laughs> uh, I am looking, of course, for Neil Blomkamp. Oh, okay. Yes. Not Blomkoffels. <laughs> Blomkoffels. That sounds like a tasty dish, though. It does. Yeah. It's District 9 and Elysium. District 9 and Elysium. Yes. Mm-hmm. District 9, of course, without giving away any spoilers for either of those movies, uh, yes. They both revolve around body transformation, body enhancement. Oh. I've got a really bad riddle for you guys here. No, no, no wordplay, just a bad riddle. Uh, Sure. What do Darth Vader and a crocodile have in common? Ooh. Think about a very particular crocodile named TikTok. Oh, from Captain Hook. Yes. TikTok, the crocodile ate Captain Captain Hook's hand. Yes. And. Darth Vader took off Luke Skywalker's hand. Oh, they both took off yeah. somebody's hand. <laughs> All right, what, for for one bonus point here. All right, uh, you guys got to tell me which hand is Captain Hook missing and which hand is Luke Skywalker missing. Ooh. So you got fifty fifty for each one. Okay, I'm thinking. Okay, I, and uh, when I, I mean the Disney, the classic Disney representation of Captain Hook. Well, I guess they're both Disney characters now, aren't they? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. these these make good pub trivia. Answers up. Whoa, we and flipped it. You guys flip flopped it. Uh, Dana is correct. Captain oh. Hook is missing his left hand. Luke Skywalker is missing his right hand. Oh. And they, of course, both had them replaced with uh, uh, prosthetics on very opposite okay. ends of the technology <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> from from <laughs> from literally just a hook Look. all the way up to a fully uh, sensory yes yeah, cybernetic hand. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Caden's 1972 novel, Cyborg, was the basis for this TV secret agent who worked for the fictional government agency OSI. Oh! Wait a minute. <laughs> Ugh, I'm so sad. I don't have a guess because OSI is in Venture Brothers, yeah, too. Yeah, it's from, I, like, I'm like, isn't that, that's the only reference I have for it. I don't know. Blank. Oh, blank for Dana. Oh, oh Inspector Gadget, not a bad guess. Oh, no, it's not? No, I'm so sure. the Six Million Dollar Man, oh. Steve Austin. Oh, the, the I, that would be, the story Wait. would be so cool if Inspector Gadget was inspired by Cyborg. So let's move on here. Um, <laughs> this animated crime fighter was the bane of the evil organization known as MAD. M-A-D. Oh, that sounds so familiar. All right. Answers up. 
Answers up. Karen says Inspector yes. Gadget. Dana says Inspector Gadget. Yes, it is Inspector oh, Gadget. Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, I'm just going to put what I put in the last question. Dr. Yes. Claude, and that, yeah. and they have confirmed he is a cyborg. He's not a robot. We are supposed to believe that he is a person. Part human. Yes, who's been retrofitted with all these devices. Because <laughs> Penny's his niece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. Good point, yeah. Dana. Thank you. <laughs> I thought about all that research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> all right, last Check one. Check out my fan fiction <laughs> for more details. All right, last one. Here we go. This Academy Award-winning movie from 1986 featured the main character undergoing a transformation into a Musca Domestica. Uh, oh. 1986, though. Hmm. This is not right. The transformation was oh, pretty oh, gross in this movie. I do know. Oh, I do know. Oh, that was oh, the hit you guys know. needed oh. was gross. <laughs> no, no. I, I wrote something else, and then I it triggered another thought. Okay. All right. Answer right. Oh, up. Oh, I don't think it's... Ready? Right. Dana says The oh, Fly. Yeah. Oh, Karen says American Werewolf in London. Interesting. Mm, nice. Yeah, we both had yeah. metamorphosis on there. Yeah, yeah, it cussed it out. Metamorphosis. <laughs> I was like a beetle. No, there was a fly. And then yes, you're like, you went the- to the werewolf. All right. Well done. Mm, nice. So uh, it seems like we're talking a lot about stuff that gets added to your body. But um, I want to talk about actually just changing the shape of your body. Mm. So there is... A species. Oh, I have to say this. I came across this first. Astute listeners would know. I really like Disneyland. Yeah. And I also, I don't know if you can tell, but I play World of Warcraft a lot. I've mentioned it on the show. I'm always like, that sounds like World of Warcraft. In World of Warcraft, there's um these daily quests that you do, and you can fish. And that's like mostly what I do now in World of Warcraft is I fish. <laughs> and sometimes you get weird fish, and you turn it in for gold or whatever. And there's this one thing called the mimic octopus. And I thought it was like a fairy tale animal. I didn't know it was real until mm-hmm. I, I read more about it. So it is a real thing. So I'm sure you guys probably came across um, videos or images or heard or read about uh, octopi or species of octopus changing colors. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're scared mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. or, or defense mechanism, they would change from like black to white or white to black. And it's very reactive. The mimic octopus, which is the species name, not only changes color, but it changes the shape of their body with their tentacles to look like other animals. (laughs) In addition to the color changing thing, I've actually talked about how they change color is very similar to um, how chameleons change color in terms of the science. And I actually talked about that in our color episode. So the mimic octopus is the only known aquatic species to be able to mimic not only one other sea creature, but multiple animals. <laughs> they can shape themselves to look like up to 15 different animals Whoa. outside of octopuses. It does impressions. They're smart enough to know what animal shape to turn into based on their situation. Uh. Oh. The mimic octopus is actually rather small. It's like maybe two feet long. Uh-huh. So it can impersonate a lot of smaller animals. So one of the animals they can do is lionfish. They're stripy and they're really spiky. Yeah, they're kind of spindly. Yeah. yeah, so the mimic octopus would would change and turn its tentacles to look uh. upright and straight to look like thorns or spines coming out from the lionfish. And then the color, <laughs> like red and white stripes and it looks from far away looks like a lionfish but it's an octopus <laughs> and uh, another thing they do is sometimes they would hide in reefs 
or, uh, you know, under the sand and they would leave a couple of tentacles out and it would look like sea snakes uh, and the colors would look like uh, the bands of sea snakes. They can basically flatten their whole body or, or turn all of its tentacles and lay it on one side. So it looks like a flat fish. Okay. It looks okay. like actual one piece huh. of fish, uh-huh. but it's just all the body parts jammed just like together. Flat, oh, like wow. in a disc almost. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Don't researchers say that octopus are supposed to be a really smart really animal? Smart. It kind of freaks <laughs> me out how smart they are. Um, they can do aggressive mimicry to catch prey. So sometimes they would transform into a shape of a crab and lure other crabs thinking that it's a mate and then eat the crab. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Look at that huge, big crab. <laughs> oh, that's that's a big sexy. crab. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah. And there is a connection. A lot of these animals that the, the mimic octopus uh, turns into are poisonous. Ah, oh, mm. right. Okay. Which there's not a lot of study. This species was only discovered in the 1990s. And so it might be because the octopus itself doesn't produce poison. So it's mimicking other things that have poison to be like a, a defense mechanism. Yeah. That's amazing. And and things that other animals are conditioned to avoid just on sight. The ocean is full of monsters. Yes. It's full of crazy monsters. Smart mon- monsters that will trick you (laughs) there could be one here right now (laughs) (laughs) is that really colin or (laughs) i wonder though if they have group behavior if they're multiple mimic octopi Mm. that they can band together and make like a bigger like a voltron (laughs) not only are they transformers they're a voltron (laughs) into like a giant i don't know they can look like an anchor or look like i don't know like something and yes, that is that is the new nightmare animal is the mimic octopus. That is You're pretty welcome. Creepy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I have something maybe a little lighter and less scary than that. <laughs> so celebrities be getting tattoos all the time. <laughs> And it comes up for us in trivia sometimes. We have to identify celebrities by their tattoos. We had, the, we had one oh, like three weeks ago, yeah. two weeks ago. Mina Savari has a big old lion on the back of her neck. Who knew? Yeah, but we lost the point. <laughs> so so this is to maybe help you guys uh, get a little more familiar with what tattoos people have. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you guys will work together and, and see if you can puzzle it out. Okay. Okay. All right. So this pop singer has more than a dozen tattoos, almost 20, I think, including the word love that's inside of her ear, uh, the words just breathe on her chest, a dream catcher, Roman numerals, and a Theodore Roosevelt quote. Uh, Rihanna. Th- oh, I was going to say Rihanna, but those don't sound like things. Oh, that- wait, no, 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 it's not. It's not. Sorry. Miley Cyrus. Oh. Yes. Miley Cyrus. It is yeah, Miley yeah. Cyrus. Because okay. the Theodore Roosevelt quote is like, basically, it's just. Hater's gonna hate. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something that he would say, actually. Yeah, Yeah, I can see him saying that. So this Canadian singer has tattoos of a crown, Roman numerals, the Japanese kanji symbol for music, praying hands, and the Hebrew word for Jesus. Wow. And a big old picture of Jesus. (laughs) Canadian singer Celine Dion, maybe? No. (laughs) Wait, is it is it a lady? No. Michael Buble. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> That'd be great if I'm Michael Bublé. Canadian. Canadian singer. It's a guy from Nickelback. He's a single performer. He p- performs by himself. He also oh, plays. Oh, oh, is it is it what? Justin Bieber? Yes. Oh man! <laughs> I forgot that he was Canadian. I thought he was from YouTube, <laughs> the land of YouTube, YouTubia. YouTubia. Yeah. This actress has the words "lucky you" with a horseshoe on her rib cage. 
She also has two circles with the letter A on her right ankle, a colored sunrise on her left forearm, and an I Heart New York charm bracelet on her right wrist. Tattooed on her? Yes. Oh, it, is, Must it, be from New York. is it Angelina? I guess we would have noticed the, the tattoo on her forearm. I definitely saw the Lucky You tattoo with the horseshoe on her ribcage in uh, gossip stuff recently. Huh. It looks a little homemade. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Colin, I, you should be good at this. I have another hint for you guys. She won a Tony for her performance in A View from the Bridge recently. Showing my ignorance oh, of the Tonys. It is. It is Angelina Jolie. No. No. <laughs> Still no. <laughs> mm. It is Scarlett Johansson. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, on the South American leg of her tour... This singer got a tattoo of a R-T-O, and the T might be also a cross, um, on her neck. And it was derived from the signatures of three of her fans. Um, and they were Whoa. all from different neighborhoods, and they were different ages. Whoa. Whoa, that's, that's yeah. intense. That, that's kind of cool, though. Yeah, so somebody... It's got to be somebody who... I'm going to... Is that Rihanna? I'll guess that that's Rihanna. Because, yeah. like, she's already got so many tattoos. What's another small one? I don't know. Mm. Uh, Who, like what? What stars really couldn't? Oh, Lady Gaga. It is. Oh. Yeah. Like what musician is super connected with their? Yeah. Fans? That's good thinking. She got a tattoo of little monsters after uh. she won, I think, some Grammys. And she has. <laughs> I was going to tell you that another tattoo she has, which is a unicorn with a banner wrapped around it that says "Born This Way." <laughs> uh. <laughs> this actor got YOLO. Y O L O. You only look. Which probably stands for you only live once. I'm assuming that's what he would mean <laughs> it to me. I've been told by the well, young ones. Well, that, I mean, that's what it means to other people. I don't know what it means to him. Ta- he got it tattooed on his hand. And Simon Cowell offered him a record contract, but he turned it down because acting was his main priority at the time. Huh. Well, is that Drake? I mean, because he was an actor, right? No. Hmm. Yeah, but... I-, I guess Simon Cowell, though. That wouldn't have lined up. Yeah. His breakthrough role was on the Disney Channel as Troy Bolton. Uh, Zach Efron? Yes. Oh! From High School nice. Musical. Yes. Among the tattoos on her body, this actress has the Tennessee Williams quote, a prayer for the wild at heart kept in cages. Is this Angelina yes. Jolie? Is this Angelina Jolie? Yes. She right. also has a Cambodian prayer on her body and seven lines of geographical coordinates. Yeah, coordinates. that sounds sufficiently dramatic. Oh, that's cool to have coordinates tattooed on your body. Yeah, it's like a it's a like clues. Yes, six of them are for where her kids were born or where she first. That's oh. cool. Then, I like yeah. that. And one is for Jolie's lost treasure. <laughs> no, and the then the last one. <laughs> And then the seventh one is where Brad Pitt was born. Oh, I want the Jolie yeah. treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Jolie's gold. gold. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Good job, you guys. All right. Oh, man. That was rough. That was good. And Rihanna didn't pop up at all. Uh, yeah. No. It was like a yeah. rebel I mean, flirt. <laughs> like, we always get that question trivia. We always get that. Yeah. So did you guys know that people used to use pee? as a mixing agent to mix tattoo dyes and then they would tattoo it into your body no. so you would have pee like in your skin why <laughs> why I, I just saw that in the uh tattoo museum website i was like hmm interesting i'm here for my tattoo okay fill up this cup please <laughs> yeah. oh. oh you put your own pee on it <laughs> yeah oh it's a nice personal touch yeah 
All right, let's take a quick break, and uh, we have our recurring segment, Brainiacs Book Club, where we share our favorite nonfiction good read picks that you can get as an audiobook on Audible. And uh, Colin, what'd you pick? Uh, I picked a book uh, called Emergency by Neil Strauss. And I like this book because it's uh, sort of a survivalist guide for when, oh, I like the when everything goes bad. So he, he takes the idea of what, how would he, what would he do if things mm. really turned bad in the world or his life? And when the poop hits the fan. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I was trying to find a clean way to say that. And you, poop. yes, thank oh. you. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> so it covers everything from, uh, he goes and meets with like doomsday scenario survivalists uh. to people who teach him how to, you know, get fraudulent IDs and where to stash your money and how to get out of the country, how to live in the wild, how to make Whoa. your own ghillie suit, how to just everything that you would need. What's a ghillie suit? It's like what uh, uh, the snipers wear, you know, kind of the shaggy looking suit. You know, how so you to, look like like a bush. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. To how to uh, hide assets if you need it. So it's really, it's a guide to... Mm. Become a criminal. Well, or, you, or get away. You know, it's a set of tools. It's a set of tool, <laughs> tools and skills that you, you can decide how you want to apply those skills. Read by the author himself. Cool. Neil Strauss sounds familiar. Did he? What, what other stuff did he write? Yeah, he's written a couple other books. He wrote uh, The Game, uh, which was about <gasps> like the, like pickup oh! culture. Oh, exposing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, also how to. I, yeah, again, it's it's how do you want to approach it? It's laying out a set of techniques, and it's up to you to decide, is this an expose or is this a how-to guide? Pick up artists. The full title of the book is The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. Oh, scandalous. <laughs> it was very scandalous and, and in, a, in the best possible way, trashy. All right, so I have a pick, and it's called What Einstein Told His Cook. Kitchen Science Explained. It's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not really Mr. Einstein. It's kind of just like what a science guy told his book. You know what I mean? But <laughs> right. it's, it's catchier. It's a smart hook. person. A smart person. Yeah. Not actually Einstein. Trivia, burning questions you have about everyday stuff. How do they actually decaffeinate coffee? Why are there so many different types of salt? Mm. Why is there kosher <laughs> salt? Why is there iodized salt? Why, why are there sheep differently? Does it actually make a difference? Trivia explained, you know, science explained in funny and colorful ways. What Einstein told his gynecologist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, he, is, <laughs> is that your area? <laughs> I don't <laughs> admit it. And of course, uh, all of our picks, emergency, and what Einstein told his cook will be on our website under Brainiac's Book Club on the nav, and you can click it and see all of our recommendations. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Calling all kids in the car, Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. <laughs> 
The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. So I don't know. It's funny because we've done a show before entirely dedicated to torture, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, like reading some of this stuff about body modification makes me just feel weird. It gives me like the heebie-jeebies. And I was looking into the historic roots of plastic surgery. And Mm. I mean, it's probably not a surprise that a lot of the roots of plastic surgery stem from war. Right. Because of like Mm -hmm. war disfiguration. And, And then I came across this one line and it just creeped me out. In 1892, Robert Weir experimented unsuccessfully with xenographs. Which is Mm. what? Xenographs are basically a grafting skin or parts of the body Uh from a different species. Uh. So the actual operation that he was working on is for um, sunken noses. He would graft duck sternum and then fill it in to sunken noses so it's not like a whole body part you know shoved in or whatever but just the fact that there is a word for yeah grafting procedures from other species xenografts it's like oh i thought you meant like like he put a monkey paw on his left hand or something like that okay all right so i have a quick quiz it's kind of like a vocabulary quiz i have formal names of major plastic surgery procedures Mm. and i want I want you guys to write on a notepad. Oh, okay. okay. What body part do you think the procedure is for? All right. So, for example, rhinoplasty is everybody <laughs> for the nose. For the nose. For the nose, like rhinoceros. Rhino is nose. Okay. Brachioplasty. B r a c h i o p l a s t y. Brachioplasty. Mm-hmm. Answers up. Dana says throat slash neck, and then uh, Colin says neck lift. It is actually arm. Oh. Arm lift. Oh, like Brasso. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I know. I was thinking, at first I thought it was neck, too. I was like, oh, that seems weird. I was thinking it's like Brachiosaurus. Yeah. Yep. What is otoplasty? O-T-O-plasty. Answers up. Dana says chin, and Colin says ears. Ears is correct. Ears. The most common procedure is ear pinning. Mm. So if your ears are forward, you can pin the ears back. That counts as a, a, one of the otoplasty procedures. Okay. All right, next one. Rhydodectomy. Rhydodectomy. R-H-Y-T-I-D-E-C-T-O-M-Y. Rhydodectomy. Hmm. It's like a spelling bee. I'm just going to make up a body part. Yeah, do it. So Dana says calf. Colin says eyes. It is facelift. Ah. I I can't think of a general word for for face that I can easily associate with rhydodectomy. But that's I, the technical name. That is a technical mm. name. Okay. That's a good one to know. All right. Yeah. This one is abdominoplasty. Dana says... Tiffany? Tummy tuck. Oh, tummy tuck. <laughs> or abdominals. T- t- Tiffany tuck. <laughs> and then uh, Colin says tummy tuck. Yes, it is tummy tuck. Reshaping and firming of the abdomen. Mm-hmm. Blepharoplasty. 
blepharoplasty. B-L-E-P-H-A-R-O-P-L-A-S-T-Y. Here's a hint. It's probably the most common unpopular procedure in the world. In the world. Hmm. Well, that may have changed my answer, but I already wrote it down. Okay. Colin, what's your answer? Chin slash chin dimple. Oh, to actually make the chin Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking something around there. But when you said it's the most... Yeah, I don't think that's... I, I have no confidence in my answer anymore. Dana says boobs. It is... Eyelid surgery. Uh, this is the the lot. most popular in the world. You Probably think? one of the most popular in oh. the world. This is a procedure done actually in a lot of Asian nations is to make the crease, uh, uh. the crease of the eyelid. But this also includes tattooing permanent eyeliner oh. to your eyes as well, which a lot mm. of cultures do. Blepharoplasty. Blepharoplasty. All right, and last one, we can just yell it out. Mammoplasty. Boobs. 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 Boob job. Well, very good. Now you learn learn some vocabulary and bits about plastic surgery and xenografts. Do you think like uh sometimes people get parts of a pig's heart or a cow's heart? Is that part is that a xenograph or graph? Yep. Yeah, that counts. Right. It counts. Pigs and baboons. Baboons. Mm-hmm. How many baboons are, are there? I think scientists have said that chimpanzees are very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but chimpanzees are close to being endangered. So uh, there are more baboons. Mm, I don't know. Sure. Sorry, baboons. Yeah, I think, sorry, I, think I read somewhere that they were jerks. So I don't <laughs> so, know if that yeah. makes it better. <laughs> I got this baboon butt transplant. <laughs> <I know. laughs> ah, that's a weird... <laughs> Doctor, I would like a baboon butt. <laughs> Get out <Yeah>. of my office. <laughs> Well, I'd also like to talk about uh, surgeries and surgery names, a surgery that has a very specific common name and a very specific technical name. Okay. So if that's not an obscure enough intro. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I'm like, all right, so there are two names. So what are you talking about? <laughs> so I know you guys uh, are not big baseball fans in particular, uh, sports I fans like really. I like baseball food. Okay. Yeah, I like going to baseball games. Cause yeah, eat. okay. So I'm, I'm willing to guess that you guys have not heard of Tommy John. Sure. That sounds like a gangster. It does right, sound like that, a gangster's Sean, name. Uh, Sean Puffy Combs. <laughs> Sean John. Sean, Sean okay. Tom. So uh, I'm sure that we have some listeners out there who are, oh yes, Tommy John, I know, nodding along. I, I will get to share the story of Tommy John with you two name? here. That is his name, yes. Oh, okay. Tommy John, he was an actual baseball player. Uh, he played uh, mainly in the 60s, 70s. Uh, he was a left-handed pitcher, which are particularly prized among pitchers. He debuted with the Cleveland Indians in 1963, played for a few teams over the next few years. Starting in 1972, he was with the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers, and really started to have some impressive seasons put together, mm-hmm. making a name for himself. And okay, I understand everything so far. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, I know sports. Yeah, yeah, I know I know what the Dodgers means. Yeah. yeah. He was doing really well. Uh, he was having a great season in 1974, and when he sustained serious damage to his ulnar collateral ligament, and on his left hand on his left pitching arm. that's right on his pitching arm that's right the ucl the ulnar collateral ligament is the little bit of the ligament that connects your upper arm the humerus uh with your ulna and as you can imagine for a pitcher this is uh comes in use a lot the ucl damage is is a big deal if you're a pitcher we as humans you know we're not really meant to be throwing spheres <laughs> 90 miles an hour. You know, we're not, yeah. this isn't a behavior that we're really that well designed for over the long haul. When you put it that way, though, it's pretty awesome. 
Like, yeah. oh, human can throw something 90 miles per hour. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. yeah. It was a common injury among pitchers, just overuse, and the mm-hmm. ligament will get frayed or torn or damaged. Uh, and if you sustain serious enough damage, you know, it, it could be career-ending. The One of the Dodgers team physicians was a man named Dr. Frank Job, and he pioneered the first UCL reconstruction surgery. So he and Tommy John, you know, got together and basically like, you know what? I I think we can do this. I don't think this has to be the end of your career. Has there been attempts before? No, no. This was, this was revolutionary at the time. I would think if someone's got to be the first, you know, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's really an injury that if you weren't a major league pitcher, he might be able to get by with rehabilitation and and rest. But in order to continue his career, throwing balls at high speeds with great accuracy. Got it. So they decided, no, we're going to go ahead with UCL reconstruction, and uh, it was successful. And basically, how the procedure works is, you know, he opens up his elbows, uh, uh-huh. his elbow, his pitching elbow. It's like both of them, just for fun. <laughs> right. Like- well, he did have to have surgery on both arms because what they do for this procedure <gasps> is they drill uh, two little holes, one in the humerus, one in the ulna. Uh-huh. They took a tendon from his other from his opposite arm so they took a tendon from his right forearm okay. and what they do is they went in and they essentially weave the tendon as a replacement or a patch for the UCL oh. in a figure eight pattern actually and so it connects the two bones with, like a rubber band. A, with a new tendon yeah. and now again you know this was the first time this had been done Dr. Job at the time said he, he figured that Tommy John had about a one percent chance oh. of of oh. this rehabilitating him to his former strength. So now this is a big deal. He took off the entire 1975 season to let the surgery heal up. And he came back for the 1976 season. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, how's this going to go? And it went pretty well. He came back and with, with, you know, within a season or two was pitching at or near the level he was pitching before. He, in fact, went on to have more victories after the surgery than he had before the surgery. So now Mm, the technical medical name is, as I say, uh, ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction surgery, but it is now known as Tommy John surgery. So once the rest of the league saw how successful this surgery could be, everyone's like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't necessarily need to be the end of someone's career. We can Uh go. They can go have Tommy John surgery and they can be on the mound again in a year or so pitching again at the same level, maybe even higher. Uh, There are a lot of cases that pitchers come back throwing harder than before they had the because surgery. Because it's still less used compared well, to their other Maybe, arm. or they practice a lot now and do lots of exercise. You know, you know it's maybe. funny that you say that, yeah. Dana. So Dr. Job, that is what that is his opinion on yeah. why, in the cases of pitchers being able to throw harder after the surgery, he, he maintains it's that they're more focused on rehabilitation and strength training. Here's where it gets into sort of an interesting medical ethical issue. You guys can maybe imagine that oh, no, if, I can there, see it. if there is a surgery available that might make me throw harder... This is going to be an inducement for people to want to have it done preemptively. Uh, and in fact, that's exactly what has happened over the years. Uh, but what about your other arm? Your other arm is, is one, well, one it, short. No, well, it's no, a it's tendon a t- from the forearm. It's so they don't the, take the other ligament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They can also do it with, uh, they can also do it from cadavers. It doesn't have to be from the same patient, although it typically is. So it gets into this weird area where sports doctors and sports surgeons report people coming to them and saying, I'd like to have Tommy 
Tommy John surgery done. There's nothing wrong with my UCL now. I want to have it done as a preemptive or maybe even an enhancement to mm. essentially hack my body. And uh, is this ethical to perform a procedure on someone who doesn't So need? what's the word? Well, most doctors, at we'll least on the it. record, will not do this. No, most doctors will say, no, I'm not going to perform this surgery on you. I mean, so now I should say, like, in the years since uh, they pioneered the surgery, the, the, the success rate is actually fairly high. It's around 90%. Wow. So it's that's a pretty high success yeah, rate for a sports success surgery. success as in? As in coming back to... to- to same at, at or, or above. Got yeah. It. it is a so common a procedure that uh, this is from a uh, report done by a Bleacher Report just last year. One third mm-hmm. of current major league pitchers have had Tommy John surgery. Wow. Interesting. And that's assuming they had UCL, actual UCL problems and mm-hmm. received. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, so over, okay. I mean, in the decades since Tommy John surgery was invented, hundreds and hundreds of pitchers, I mean, at all levels, I mean, primarily major leagues, but there are college, you know, uh, level pitchers yeah. who have had it done. But that also means this, this condition is very, prevalent among pitchers too. It, it really yeah. is and you know they've started at youth levels of baseball in, in the la- in recent years they've started oh. limiting the number of pitches that young okay. players okay. throw okay. as an effort to try and prevent this from developing later on okay. but there are some troubling stories of you know I mean there's the their stereotypical sports parent the overbearing sports parent there there are stories unfortunately of doctors being approached by parents of hey doc you know maybe uh, you can juice up junior's arm and give him the Tommy John surgery oh. and Whoa. Again, no no serious physician would agree to do this no. uh, preemptively, but the pressure is out there. As you can see, you know, it's a world of sports. You know, any advantage you can get, even if it's perceived, as I say, Dr. Job, the man who, who pioneered this procedure – he says he thinks it's crazy. He's like, I would never do this for somebody preemptively. This was a, this was a last yeah. resort. That's right. Yeah. To save his career, like which it did. Nothing to lose, really. Yeah. I mean, as long as you can still use your arm, you don't really have – you're like, well, I won't have a career anymore. Yeah. For sure if I don't do it. It is an enhancement, but it's not like a substance you take. This is taking one part of your body and putting it in the other yeah. part of your body. It's from you. Right. Technically. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Just and even in its best up. case scenario, there's still a chance that you might have nerve damage. Yeah, I mean, it carries exactly. a lot of risks with it, like any surgery does. Uh-huh. There is at least one pitcher uh, who never needs to worry about uh, blowing out his uh, UCL because there is a pitcher named by the name of R.A. Dickey, and he was born with no UCL. He does not have an ulnar collateral ligament. Right. So and he can uh-huh. still pitch. He can still pitch. And it's one of those things where, like, the experts, they're like, he shouldn't be able to pitch, let alone at a major league level. Wow. And so here's the, one of the, one of the reasons that he's been so successful is that his signature pitch is the knuckleball. So oh. his signature pitch is the pitch that puts the least amount of strain on your arm. You're throwing okay. it really slow and using movement to fool the batter. But he is an example of even without a ulnar collateral ligament, you can still go on and be a successful major league pitcher. But <laughs> that's weird. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Wheel! 
and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right. Time for our last non-topic quiz segment. I devised a surprise quiz. I didn't tell you guys what it's about, but now I will. Mm-hmm. And a lot of listeners, you you might know that we all play in a pub trivia team for the four about five years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. sometimes questions will pop up that we've seen before, and most of the time those are questions that we still don't know or did not <laughs> remember what the answer was. And yeah. we're like, oh my god, we had this question before. What is it and why can't I remember? So here I've compiled some questions that we've gotten wrong repeatedly. And I want to see if you guys (laughs) can get it right. All right. Well, I think, I think we should work together. Yeah, let's work together. Because that's the more accurate. uh, Okay. (laughs) It's more like pub, pub quiz. All right. It'll minimize the shame when we get it wrong too. Yeah, you're right. It's better. So here we go. On October 3rd, 1992, Sinead O'Connor appeared on Saturday Night Live as a musical guest, where she infamously tore up a picture of Pope John Paul II during her performance. What song was she singing? Was it? It wasn't Nothing Compares to You? I don't think it was. I think that's what we've put before. Or, see, this is where we get, this is where we, like, start, oh, wait, was it the right answer or the wrong answer? Does she have any other songs? Well, I mean, it would have been, yeah, at the time. This is, like, actually a really good uh, reenactment. Or, or, you know, <laughs> yeah, like this, a, is, this is really how we talk about it. Yeah. I'm just, you know, blanking on... I mean, she had a lot of songs off that album, but let's just go with the safe answer. Uh, is it nothing compared yeah. to... Uh, which is what we've always let's said, with, yeah, and it's always been we'll wrong. Go with that. You're incorrect <laughs> again. <laughs> what, is, what is her song? Um, here's a hint. It was a cover. A cover of a Bob Marley song. Oh... Um, One uh, love? Was it redemption song? No, mm. no, it's not. It was uh, war. Uh, a song was war. See, this is why we don't war. remember. All right, now war. war, war, not nothing compares to you. Okay. Here's the next question: What NFL National Football League team was the first to lose two Super Bowls? <laughs> oh, we just had <laughs> we this. just had this. It was uh, the Vikings. Yes. I, I feel confident. I feel confident that it was the Minnesota Vikings. Correct. Okay. Because yeah. it was like V and then that's two. Like you have two fingers up. I was remembering also the horns. Like they've yeah. got two horns. Yeah. We come up with these dumb mnemonics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before we put down Buffalo Bills every time. And right. Then every time we get it wrong yeah. and we can't remember what it is. <laughs> okay. Now we, we have car- these mnemonics. Well, we should be careful with the horns because Buffalo also have horns. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. That's <laughs> v, a good point. v not for victory. V that's, better. Yeah. that's better. That's better. <laughs> like and when it's really stupid, we'll be like, "Oh yeah, we had a stupid thing for it. What was it?" And then it's like <laughs> trying to remember the number. That helps. Like, you know. All right, he was the first president to have been born a United States citizen. Oh, oh. gosh, we all, all right, I think, I I I think it's Van Buren. Isn't this the one? Oh. He was either the first born as a citizen or the last not born as a citizen. Not, I think that's I, what it was. Wait, was it how how early was he? He was kind of He was I feel like he was eight, maybe? Would that be about right? About long enough to have been born? Sure. I'm so unsure of myself. Okay. Van Buren. Final answer? Yeah. Yeah. McKinley. 
<laughs> what is it? <laughs> you are correct. It is Martin Van Buren. Van Buren. Oh. Okay. But you're doubting yourself. I'm so doubting myself. Was right. he the last or? I, I knew he was like on one side of that divider. Yeah. Next question. What nation governs the island of Cyprus? Was that Greece? Is it Greece or is it Turkey? Is it? Greece. I think it's Greece. Yeah. Okay. Greece. Incorrect. Oh. oh, wait, wait, wait. Is it 50-50? Incorrect. Mm. It is actually Cyprus. Cyprus oh. is its own nation. That is a trick That's question. a dirty yeah. trick, Karen. What company is considered the first fast food restaurant in America? And it began franchising in 1921. Oh, oh 1921. Yeah. We have talked about this. Is it... Was it A and W? Was that the one? I thought it might be. It was like because I think all the Soda like all Fountain. the the classic like McDonald's and it's Carl. Those were all from like the forties, fifties. Yeah, I don't know. Not Wendy's. Let's go with A and W. Yeah, sure. All right, is it A and W? Correct. It hey! is A and W. Guys, remembered. All right, last question. The thistle has been the national emblem of what country? Oh. Isn't it Scotland? I think that's right. I think that's what it was. Is it Scotland? Final answer, Scotland? Yeah, I sure. agree with Dana. Correct. It is yeah. Scotland. It's like either Scotland or Wales. Yeah. Yeah. I think Wales yeah. is daffodil. Oh. I remember, yeah. Because we got burned by that once, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. Like, yeah, we get a lot of country flower questions and emblems. I mean, that's a very good, you know, source of mm-hmm. trivia fodder. All right. Good job, Brains. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of weird stuff today about pee tattoos and elbow surgery and plastic surgery and the mimic octopus. <laughs> that is cool. I need to go YouTube that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and our website, goodjobbrain.com. Check out our sponsor, Audible, at audiblepodcast.com slash goodjobbrain. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.